Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lumineers Quest podcast where we talk everything Lorcana. I'm Zach. And I'm Jacob. And thanks for coming on this journey with us. This is a, a first for us. So for the audio listeners out there, we are doing a tier list, but we have a video recorded with us as well. So if you want to see the tier list and follow along with us, then we have our YouTube channel where you can find the video version of this, which is at Lumineers Quest on YouTube. So pretty cool, pretty cool change of pace here, right? We're doing a few little, episodes in, but a little different, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So basically, I, we kind of alluded to it. What we're doing this time is we're gonna do a tier list and talk through kind of the ins and outs of all the ink types. Yes. So we're gonna talk through the different ink colors. We're gonna throw them on the tier list. We're gonna talk about why we feel that they're that way, and then give a little bit of a ranking as well. Some of them are you know pretty close, and so you can yep. kind of be a little bit interchangeable, but pretty pretty solid tier list to at least like start off. Yep. For new players that don't know necessarily some of the strategies behind the ink or what the strategy they want to use or how to implement a strategy they might have, this will hopefully help guide them in the right direction as they figure out those things. Absolutely. So, any opening comments before we get started here? No. I'm, you ready to I'm get ready right in? Okay, we'll get right into this then. So, first on the list, Emerald, give me your thoughts. I do I do want to give one little thing, actually. So, there, we have S. A, B, C, and D, and I don't, just right off the bat, I don't think anything is going in D. Like, I just, there's not one you absolutely don't want to play. I think everything is playable, and and there's there's definitely a counter for everything, so you could have a deck with any of these that can beat another deck. Yeah. Obviously, some are better than others that are more flexible, that can beat more things, but I think in general, yeah, everything is playable. There's nothing, yep. we're not going to say anything you don't play, so if you've built in... I don't know. I'm just making something up. If you built a steel deck, and you don't, and you don't want to have to build something else, keep your steel deck, even if it's low on the list. Yep. Which you'll have to find out and see. Yep. Okay. So start us off here, Emerald. Where do you think that should go? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say C for me. You're gonna say C for I'm, Emerald. Okay. Okay. B. 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 B for Emerald. Okay. I think I'm in agreement with B for Emerald. Give us some background on Emerald real quick for, for everybody that's not super in-depth on the Emerald. So I would say it's it's probably the most control. It gives you the most control, I would say. Um, gives you the most what control. What do you mean by control? gives you the most control over your opponents. Like you are kind of dictating what they're doing, um, I would say, for the most part. And you're kind of... You're, you kind of put them on their back foot most of the time. They have to react to what you're doing. Um, and that's, it also... Like, We'll get into a little bit too. It also has quite a few evasive cards. So, yes, and that's one of the reasons why I was like, "See, for what do you mean?" Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so my initial thoughts on Emerald are: I think it's pretty solid. I think, to Jake's point, it's a good control deck, but I also think it's pretty flexible. I think the the characters in there are pretty solid all the way around, and so there's no really like. Not that I can remember, at least, like someone that's just terrible. I mean, there's car cards without abilities that are just, you know, kind of there. Yeah. But they're still, you know, if you really needed to build around them, you probably could make it work. But what's the best couple cards, or what are the first couple cards that come to mind when you think of your Emerald deck? Mother and, I, and I ask this, sorry, and I know we say this because I have different ones, so go ahead. Mother Gothel and Jasper are probably my two two top okay and for those who again don't know all the cards by heart yet like 
we're getting to. <laughs> Mother Gothel is a six cost card with three strength and six willpower. And her ability is skip the drama, stay with mama. While this character is exerted, opposing characters can't quest. So every character on the that your opponent has on the board cannot quest. Yep. So until they take her out, you're in trouble. Yep, absolutely. With six willpower, you're staying. It's in not. Place. It's not as easy to do as it might seem. I would say you. You definitely get one, obviously. Um, but I, th- I think you could pull off two. Most yeah, of the time. but it, with the three strength, I. I don't. There, she's not going to take out every character, but there are a lot of lower cost cards that are three willpower, two yep. willpower. Yep. So at worst case scenario, she has, you know, or goes up initially against somebody with four willpower, and so she doesn't completely take them out, but they're extremely weak. And then the second person takes her, her out, but then they potentially are either gone or extremely weak. Yep. Too. Yep. And then the second one you said was Jasper. Jasper, and he's basically just a smaller version of Mother Gothel. He's on my list too. So okay, yeah, okay. he was he was one of the ones again um, on our last uh, podcast episode. We talked about kind of some of the cards that cut us off off guard. I didn't talk about Jasper specifically, um, but he was one that flew under the radar for me. So again, for those who aren't familiar, Jasper, Common Crook, and Emerald is a three cost. Two strength, four willpower card with one lore, but his ability is really cool because he can choose a specific character to not quest next turn. And is that when he's exerted, correct? Whenever he quests. Okay, okay. Um, so the cool thing there is, is since he is three cost, he's not six like Mother Gothel, he's only three, so there's potential that there might only be one other character on the board for your opponent. Yeah, I would say like a specific character like, like Belle, for instance, like you can shut her down if they're building up their her lore um that'd be a nice little counter there they just one card you need to get rid of you know yeah i i I think anytime you can stop your opponent from questing that's going to help you out and just as a passive ability that's a very strong card and he he gets that from questing so he's he's gaining lore and stopping your opponents from gaining lore which i think is pretty helpful yeah i agree so is there any is those your those your top two okay So I will say for my first mention would be Jasper. And the second one I wanted to mention that, again, flew under the radar for me initially was Mad Hatter. He's a five-cost card, so a little bit more expensive. Uh, but he's a three-lore card, yep. so a yep. lot of questing power. And when he does quest and puts him, makes himself vulnerable, if he is then challenged, you get to draw a card. Mm-hmm. So the five-cost isn't necessarily a downside to me because when you get to five in your inkwell, your hand is going to be pretty low. And so yeah. if you have him in your hand and you play him, your opponent is either going to just sit there and not challenge him, and you can just keep getting three lore, or they're going to help you replenish your hand. Yeah, absolutely insane. Um, anything like that, it's a win-win scenario. The last one I want to talk about that neither one of us have talked on on, on Emerald real quick is Cusco, the, the Emperor. He's a five-cost card, three lore as well. The difference with him is he has Ward, which is an ability which keeps him from being uh, uh, he's from being chosen for other items or actions. But when he gets banished, the opponent gets banished too, whether they would have been banished or not. Yep. 
So two strength on Cusco isn't going to take out many people, but if they take him out, they're gone anyways. So yep. That's kind of a cool one too. I like it. Okay, so B tier for Emerald. I will I will agree with that. All right, next up is is Ruby. All right. Do you want me to say where I rank it right off the bat? Yeah, I'll let you go again, then I'll do the next two. And then okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with A. I am in agreement. I can't I can't argue with that one. I think Ruby is A tier. And you start on the last one. I'll I'll kick this off. I pretty much know what you're probably gonna say anyways. So Ruby is another kind of good all around deck. Yep. You know, there's no um, like kind of gimmick to it, if you will. And I'll get to some of those in the in the few of the ones we get to. But good all around deck. It has some really strong cards in there. I think the biggest deal, though, that it has is evasive. I know that's what you're going to say too. Yep. Evasive is incredibly powerful. We talked about that in our weekend recap episode. Evasive is incredibly frustrating to deal with. I. It's insane. Um, I think it's one of the things that we talked about that was maybe a little bit underrated going into it, and I still stand by that. I think it's one of the best things in the game um, right now. I think you just you just keep questing, and your opponent really can't do anything about it unless, unless they, they have an evasive character have evasive. too. Yeah. So again, for those who ha- didn't watch our last episode or haven't heard, evasive is the ability that only allows other evasive characters to challenge them. So if I have a character on the board without evasion and you've quested, I can't challenge you because I'm not evasive too. Um, within the Ruby deck, there are four evasive characters. There's Goofy Daredevil, there's Mickey Brave Little Taylor, which is the legendary of the mm-hmm. of the ink. There's Pongo Old Rascal, which we've talked quite a bit about as well in, mm-hmm. in past episodes. And then Tigger, for, Tigger Wonderful Thing. You range anywhere from four to eight ink with those pongo being the lowest mickey being the highest mm-hmm. uh but again the the ink cost and the questing that you get out of them isn't the the draw here it's the the ability to not be challenged by other cards yeah absolutely um it's it's just crazy how much you can build up it's something you have to be prepared for it, it's it's an ability or a, a a tactic your opponent might throw at you that if you don't have a counter you will lose yeah. it's that strong yeah it yeah correct that's <laughs> yeah period <laughs> so that you know it is counterable i think the reason why this isn't necessarily s tier is because it is counterable yep it if you are prepared for it then it can be dealt with yep. you can obviously have evasive characters items or actions that do direct damage can obviously do deal damage to them too because they're not characters so they're not quote challenging yep um and so it's not hard counter you have to have evasive characters in your deck it's just something that you must be thinking about when building your deck out yep the i think there's two more things to talk about in this deck would be the aladdins Mm -hmm. and dragonfire yep so which one do you want to take first I'll, I'll finish. I'll start with Dragonfire. Go for it. Dragonfire is probably the best action card in the game, I would say. I, I think th- there's probably a little bit of debate there, but I would agree it's definitely in the discussion, if not the best item um, or action. And I'll just I'll give a little bit of what it is here. So it's a five-cost action. 
and you choose a card and you banish it. Insta banish, gone. Insta banish, it's it's done. You have a eight cost Mickey Brave Little Taylor, gone. Gone. Doesn't matter because you're not challenging it, so it doesn't count with evasive. Um, yeah. You're just instantly banishing it. Yeah. So that's a big one. I mean, taking taking strong characters off the board really easily. It's one of the best counter cards. If there's anything you're scared of, like character card wise, that could crush your deck. You put that in, and you're fine. Yep. Agreed. Pretty straightforward on that one. And then lastly, the Aladdins, I think, are really cool. Um, Aladdin Street Rat, the, the three-cost version, uh, when you play him, your opponent loses one lore. Straightforward, cool, You know, keeps your opponent from building a good momentum. Yep. Just if they've got two or three lore and you're at zero, play Aladdin. They have one or two. You have probably have a card on the board by then since he's three-cost. You quest, you're down three, so probably down one, maybe even. Yep. Pretty pretty cool. And then his, as we like to call evolution, or shift yep. version, is Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. And this one is probably one of the more powerful cards in the game. Yep. So heroic Aladdin Heroic Outlaw is a shift character, which means you can play him on another Aladdin card mm-hmm. for a cheaper cost. And then his ability is whenever you challenge and banish another character you gain two lore and your opponent loses two lore so a four lore shift in one turn it's it's incredible uh it's huge i i honestly think it's inkable and seven ink i think that's incredible value (laughs) the fact that it's inkable is wild i i i don't know if they fully like understood what this would do to the game but how can you not from the there are hard counters though yes like Dragonfire we just talked about, there are other abilities that do damage. You can obviously challenge him and take him out. So again, I don't think it's like busted broken, but to your point, four lore shift is almost a 25% shift for the entire game. It's incredible. It's crazy. Okay, that that kind of wraps up the top of the, the Ruby deck. So, so just, to, just to recap, we've got Ruby in A and Emerald in B. Then we move on to Sapphire. So... Um, I will take this one, okay. and I think we might disagree a little bit. Maybe we're on the same boat. Okay. I'm gonna say this one's a B tier. Okay. Now I'm gonna say it's below Emerald. It's behind Emerald it's for behind sure. Behind Emerald on the B tier, so it's like right there. And I just want to say this, like in like I kind of did my own like in in my mind rankings before this. It was number one for me, Sapphire going into it. We didn't say that. Our our tier list over the we over opening weekend of this changed drastically on its head. Yes, it for sure. Like and <laughs> completely. This, this is one I think we probably both had at S tier. Yep. Uh, going in and is now dropped quite a bit. Yep. The the gimmick. So I talked about that a little bit before. It's not really a gimmick, but the kind of the overall strategy of Sapphire is to build ink. Mm-hmm. So you have. A bunch of cards in the deck that will build ink. And what I mean by that is cards that add ink to your inkwell. So, for instance, Gramatala, she's a two-cost card. When she gets banished in a challenge, she goes into your inkwell, not your discard pile. Yeah, you're, you're getting more ink in your inkwell than one per turn, which is yes. the most helpful thing. And then Mickey Mouse Detective, again, another Sapphire card. When you play Mickey, he puts ink in your inkwell. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, another one I know we were kind of experimenting with at the beginning was uh, an, an action card from Sapphire, the One Jump Ahead, mm-hmm. the song, and that, again, allows you to put the top 
card of or of your deck into your inkwell. So yep. you could technically have put two cards in there. So after three or you know two or three turns, theoretically you could have five or six ink. Yep. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think one of the other things too is fishbone quill, which is an item, and it does more or less the same thing, same idea. Um, yep. And I. But it puts it goes from your hand into your inkwell. It goes from your hand into yeah. your inkwell. Okay. My mistake. Um, I think I think the the only negative is with the one jump ahead. You don't know what you're putting into your inkwell, so you don't know what, yeah. what to not expect. Same with Mickey. You put yep. the card from your deck. Um, so the one thing that we didn't really consider with this when we thought it was S tier is we thought if you could build your resources faster than your opponent, mm-hmm. that you would just be able to like muscle through them essentially. But what we didn't consider is by turn three or four, you're out of cards. Your hand's empty. Yeah. You're and so you're at the mercy of what you draw next. Mm-hmm. So if you are again, I started off with a Ruby Sapphire deck, and if I have seven and I draw Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, fantastic. That's if, not happening every turn though. <laughs> if I if in turn five or six and I have no cards and I draw Flounder it's not going to help me much. No. It will help a little bit, not really get me that far. So that's why we bumped it down a couple notches is because it just the ink is important, but we I think overestimated the importance of getting that far ahead of your opponent a little too much. And last thing I'd like to talk about with with Sapphire for me is there's a card in this that is not about building your ink that is actually really good and it's Aurora. Yeah, Aurora is the last one I was going to mention too. So go ahead. Um, it when it's a five cost, I, I believe it's a floodborn. I think. Um, shifted as well. Shift it has shift three, um, and it has this ability where all of your other characters gain ward, which means they can't be ch- chosen. So like, for example, <laughs> they can't be attacked by um, breath, breath, uh, fire. They can't directly be attacked from anything. Yeah. So, like, if you have Dragonfire, Dragonfire, you could only attack Aurora and nobody else on the board. Yeah. So Aurora is a really good one, and I think we, as a group of people playing this weekend, kind of overlooked that because we were so bent on getting ink from Sapphire that there yeah. are still some other options. I think Bell we talked about, which helps build ink. Um, but doesn't directly take away from your hand that much. So that's another good one. But you have to have a really good strategy to pair with Sapphire, I think, to make it really strong. And so, again, that's why I would put it at B. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready to move on? I am. All right. I would say Steel would be at A. I agree. I'm torn on if it's before or after Ruby. For me, it's definitely behind Ruby. Okay, I lean that way, but I am not dead set on it. The the thing that makes me dead set is evasive. Like it just yeah, evasive is hard. But here's why I could see it going ahead, and we we talked about this a little bit before we recorded. Um, Steel has a lot of direct damage cards, a lot of direct mm-hmm. damage cards. They have a lot of like items that are super useful. I think Steel might be the most useful item slash action set. I think any. that's fair. So we'll put it behind. We'll talk about it, and maybe we move it. So it's hard. I think you have to start off with the items, especially when we're comparing to Ruby to talk about the, the, 
the comparison there. So if we're countering evasive, if that's the play, you have fire fire the cannons at a one cost action that deals two direct damage to any character. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge one right off the bat. You also have smash, which is a three cost card that is also inkable and deals three damage to any chosen character. So like Pongo's gone then. Yep. You know if you're trying to you know deal with evasion. Then also you have grab your sword, which we definitely missed in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Definitely underestimated. Deal two damage to each character out on the board, not a chosen one, all of them. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a lot of low cost cards or have cards that have damage built on them already, potentially wipe the whole board out with yeah. that one. Yep. And then lastly, but uh, not least on the the action ones, another one that does damage is a plasma blaster item. Mm -hmm. So items get to be played, then they can stay on the board, and you can then pay two ink every turn to deal one damage. So again, if you have a if you have a an opponent that has call it two or three one cost cards, or you know maybe a really weak from the willpower side like a Lilo or uh, a Maleficent from Amethyst that has one power or one willpower, one strength, then you can just take those out and you can use it every turn, stays on the board unless it gets dealt with in some other way. So again, a lot of just damage output that you can do and worry about that. So a lot of damage dealing items. Is there any characters that first come to mind that you want to talk about? Um, so one that we recently discovered and I think is one of the more underrated ones for helps you deal with a specific deck but it's hans hans yeah i again i i would say so this is the opposite of sapphire i think when we both started we said steel was going to be really low on the list mm -hmm. and it's risen quite a bit and so hans is a four cost card that is inkable to lore and when he quests for two lore he deals one damage to any character mm -hmm. so again it deals really well with low-cost cards or if you have another card that you want to challenge with that turn and they need the help to finish a card off that one damage is just for free great ability you know pretty usable card at four ink um you're already doing what you want which is questing for two and you just get an extra damage yeah, input yeah i think it's it's really helpful it's fantastic uh and then the other only other one i think that i will mention is well two you know giant tink um, our Tinkerbell Giant Fairy, the actual name of the card. Uh, it's a shift, it's a six ink, but shift four. And then it has two abilities. So whenever you play, it deals one damage to every character on the board. And then when you challenge, it deals two damage. Or when you challenge and banish a character, it deals two damage to every character on the board. So again, just a lot of like passive damage that you're outputting mm -hmm. with her. And then. I think that's a pretty popular one, so I'm not I'm yeah. going pretty quick on that one. And then the last one that I want to talk about that I kind of got into today is Captain Hook, Captain of the Jolly Roger, which if you're playing Fire Your Cannons, when you play Captain Hook, you get to take Fire Your Cannon out of your discard pile and use it again. So if you get a, a quick Fire Your Cannon and you want to use it on a lower cost card, that's fine because if you have Captain Hook coming up, you didn't waste it because you get it right back. Yep. So pretty straightforward on this one. I mean, I think it, it is probably the most like you, you deal damage. You deal damage. A yeah. A lot of damage. Deal. You can deal with a lot of cards if you have an opponent with a high cost card that you're you know 
struggling to defeat, you have a couple items slash abilities that will deal damage in conjunction with your characters to help you out. Yep. Straightforward. All right. Little recap. We got Ruby in high A. Yeah, I'll I'll leave Ruby ahead, but I really these are neck and neck for me. See, I I I think Ruby is is a bit ahead for me. Okay, and that's fine. We'll leave it there. Um, we got Steel in in lower A, and then we got Emerald in high B, and Sapphire in low B. Okay, where are you going with Amber? C. I think C. I think C as well. I think we still need to think on this one a little bit. Yeah. I just, it's very. It seems to be very situational and not very flexible. Yeah. So give me the what's what's the what's the gimmick with with Amber? I think for the m- most part, like to me at least, it doesn't necessarily have like a like I think all the other ones you can think about pretty quickly like what their main gimmick is, and this one, I don't know if it necessarily like has one that that pops healing. right in mind. Healing. Well, heal. Yes, for sure, for sure. So I, I think when I think Amber, I think healing. Okay. And it's got a couple items that do it too. You know, it's got a couple characters. It's got a couple items. Um, the the reason that it's C though is because healing is a very like proactive approach, and what I mean by that is is if you have a opponent that challenges your cards and just banishes them, then you can't like bring them back from the mm-hmm. dead. Healing they have to have you know four well power and three damage, and you mm-hmm. take you know two or three damage off of them. And so you have to attack your opponent knowing you won't die and then heal that card to help you through that healing strategy. And you can't always control that. And so that's why it is a very hard... Maybe we just haven't mastered it. Maybe it's better than we give it credit for. Maybe it is really good. And if you play it really well, then it works. But I think the healing abilities of this is still very underdeveloped. Yep, for sure. And then the only other thing to talk about this one is the singers, the ability, the singer. All three singers are in amber. And what the singer ability does is let you sing a more expensive card. So for instance, Ariel Spectacular Singer is a three-cost card, but she can sing a five-cost card. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful, but again, it's just so limited. I feel like if singer was more widespread outside of amber it would be talked about more yeah. but you are very limited in the number the amount of cards that have singer and so that's not something i would necessarily build my strategy around yep i just think it's the most like meh like color ink i like stitch a lot i like moana a lot um but i just don't th- i we again we just haven't fully dealt it out and then lastly i like just in time a lot in the action from amber um, it's a Maui card that lets you play a five cost card for free. So essentially, it lets you play a five cost card for three cost. Because mm-hmm. the just in time card costs three ink. It lets you play a five card cost for free. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you're using two cards for the one. Yeah. So again, I, I like the idea. You can kind of catch your opponent off guard by playing a higher power card before they could get to it. But it, it then you have to have a way to replenish those cards in your deck. And so I think you have to again have a really a really solid synergy with what you're building around Amber for it to really work. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. You're kinda just sold on you're kinda just sold on this one still, aren't you? On 
on Amber. It, you're just like, yep, it's kind of mediocre. Move on. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it really is just that the meh. Okay, ink for that's me. fine. I I think it has so for people that wants to play Amber, there's definitely potential there. No, obviously, you yeah. have the ability to build some really cool decks. There's a princess deck that people have talked about. We talked about that in the last episode. I think a princess deck can be cool. I think it can work. You just have to really study the healing and figure yeah. out your move after move and how you're going to heal your cards to stay in the game. That would be my only thing. My That would be my recommendation. If you're going Amber, figure out how healing works well, and if you figure it out, let us know. Yeah, I mean, if you're having a, a hard time dealing with, like, Steel, for instance, I think it's really helpful Could for, for yeah. healing a lot of things. But Okay, I'll let you... I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, we've got one left, and we haven't put anything S tier, so... I did it. I messed up. <laughs> Amethyst, I think we both agree right now, is probably the strongest yep. ink in the deck. Or ink in the game. And we both have been a little wishy-washy. I think at first you thought it was super overpower, and then you kind of sold it, and then you brought it right back. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it is hands down to me the best ink in the game. Okay. Give me your, your, your recap of of why and quick you know what makes amethyst the best number one thing i'd say is is card draw and resurrection basically is those are the two the two main things um card draw obviously i think was one of the more underrated things getting going into the game um where i think building your inkwell was the most overrated um but basically it's just no matter how much you play depending on how you play it you're getting a lot more cards in your hand your your fan your hand for the most part is never empty yeah i think i i understood the importance and or how you you could use that to your advantage but we found out really quick on a lot of the games that we played that you can run out of cards easy yep you know if you have a relatively light hand you know where if like on your third or fourth turn you're still drawing one cost cards you could play Two or three one-cost cards because you have three or four ink by that time most likely, and then you're out of cards by turn four or five. Yep. And so having a way to replenish it and not be reliant on the top card of your deck is very powerful. Yeah, 100%. It, it's extremely powerful, and on top of that powerful, you know, I have been calling it a gimmick, so I'll say gimmick. On top of the powerful gimmick that... Uh, you get from the draw cards there are also a lot of cool characters i think there's a lot of different strategies that you can build out within here um i'll let you go first what what's your like top character strategy from from amber or from amethyst sorry i mean i i have a definitely a favorite character um that would be pascal pascal's cool so pascal you have to, you have to play him right you do it's it takes a little bit of of wedging in there but pascal has an ability where he when other players are on the board he gets evasive yeah so it's cool because you get an early evasive card but again if played wrong or by himself or not you know if you don't have your next couple hands built out then you could quest him and he just dies and it was you know a really bad card yeah. so it's it's a very powerful card if played right and a very weak card if played wrong yep um, I, again, we've talked about evasion a lot. Um, you have Jetsum that is also evasive, and he works well with Floatsum. You have Rush with Floatsum and evasive with Jetsum. 
and so they give both each of other them those give abilities. each other the ability. So both of yeah. them could have rush. Both of them could have evasion. Then if you play them both, so that's pretty cool. Um, one of the strategies that I've worked on that I'm still trying to get the kinks out of is the Mickey Wayward Sorcerer and the Magic Brooms. So when you have Mickey Wayward Sorcerer and you have the brooms, Mickey Wayward Sorcerer's ability is you pay one less ink to get the broom on the board. And then when, as a secondary ability, whenever one of your broom characters is banished in a challenge, you return it to your hand. Yeah. So if theoretically one of the strategies that I've worked on, again, that I haven't like fully vetted out yet, is if you have two Mickeys on the board, the brooms cost two, mm-hmm. you have two Mickeys on the board, and you just cycle your brooms nonstop. Yep. If you challenge, it goes back to your hand, it costs nothing, play it again, can challenge, you know, you can't rush it yep. necessarily, but the next turn you could play two more and then whatever else cards you want and challenge again or ideally those are your challenge characters since they're easy to replenish and the brooms have an ability too that's helpful yeah and the brooms as when you play this character you may shuffle a card from any from any discard into the player's deck so you can also like return something from yeah. your discard pile if there's something really that you need um, so that's cool too um, I think it is, you know, it, like we said, it's about drawing cards. And so, like, the, the basis of that is there's a Maleficent Sorceress card for three ink that when you play her, you draw a card. Yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. You know, again, by turn three or four, you could be running low on cards potentially, so she helps keep that um, in check. I don't know about you, but my favorite card draw card would be Friends on the Other Side. Yeah, and that's a big one because most of the card draw stuff is, um, you know, a card, and then you play that card and you get one card in return. So all it's doing is a card swap. It's yes. not a card draw. Yep. Friends on the other side is a song, so you could sing it if you wanted and not pay any ink, and it gives you two cards. So yep. you actually get more cards from it. So that's that's definitely one of the you know we talked about Dragonfire being one of the best items. I do think that this or one of the best actions slash items. I do think Friends on the Other Side is probably up there too. Yep, I agree. Uh, and then yeah, I, I think that probably covers most of Amethyst too. I think there are just some other really powerful cards that if you want to build around, you can do that too. Anna and Elsa are both in Amethyst. Yep, we have, we've talked about them a little bit. I mean, obviously the the shifted Elsa that is the legendary card that. You know, collectors are going crazy after she can ready two chosen characters and so she can just you know if you have characters on the board that either you're trying to protect or haven't dried yet ready them up challenge them kill them get rid of them and move on yeah super helpful and yeah with um with elsa and anna they have a little bit of synergies too so anna for instance is when you play this character, if you have a character named Elsa in play, choose an opponent character, that chosen character doesn't ready at the start of the next turn. So they work in a little bit of synergy to yeah. keep you from, you know, or if readying them up with Elsa if you want to, or keeping them from readying, or, which means you can't quest them next turn. So keep them from questing, kill them off a little bit faster. So some cool synergies there. Uh, yeah, Jetsam and Floatsam we talked about. It's another cool synergy, the Maleficent card. So I just think it's really flexible. I mean, I know that it centers around drawing cards, uh, but you also have some cool synergies you can build out there. Absolutely. All right, I think that covers it all. So those are our six tiers. We have Amethyst at highest for those who can't see the or aren't on YouTube. We have Amethyst at highest. We have Ruby at second on A tier. Mm-hmm. We have Steel in A tier as well, closely behind Ruby. And then B tier, we've got Emerald. 
followed by sapphire, and then last but not least would be amber at sea. Yep. Any final final thoughts before we wrap up the tier list here? I think the biggest thing is that this could change. I think is the biggest takeaway. Is like for this sure. could obviously for change. Sure. Um, you know, it's already you know, changed four or five times. Yeah, we we haven't played with you know all inks equally. Um, so you know the maybe maybe I start an amber deck here and I really like it. You know, we need to do that too. We need think, to we need to just start some secondary decks and you know play around with those too, so we can. I think it's fair. We've just tried. To, we've just tried to make our primary decks. Yeah. So far. So yeah, now sure. it's it's yeah. Um, especially like talk about like chapter two. Like who knows what happens chapter two? Yeah, they, like they could completely flip it on. They could head. add a seventh ink. Ink. They yeah, could. You know. Who knows. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Thanks everybody for for tuning in again for the for the tier list. Hopefully this helps you build out your decks. If you want to see the video version, if you're on the podcast, you can check out out on YouTube at Illumineers Quest. Uh, we also have our Gmail that you can you know shoot us notes or questions at, which is just lorcanapod at gmail.com. and you can follow us on Twitter. Same deal at lorcanapod. If you have any questions, please let us know. Thank you. See you next time. See you guys.